What's up, Logan? Todd, how about that Rondo fourth quarter, man? What an impressive run. When I saw people calling him playoff Rondo on Twitter, I thought they were doing so ironically, and then I tuned in, and wow. <laughs> that was unexpected, to say the least. I mean, he, he thoroughly outplayed James Harden in the fourth quarter. Yeah, man, I, I feel like that was uh, definitely unexpected, especially after everyone trolling the Lakers, uh, letting Rondo have such a prominent role coming back uh, so quickly. Um but he definitely showed up and showed out in that fourth quarter. And LeBron showed up all game. I mean, first half was just incredibly dominant. Um, It's interesting because this Lakers team bounces back and forth between, I don't think they have any help to their role players really stepped up tonight. I think this team is going to win the finals and, you know, they can go from one version of themselves with the role players just playing, you know, tremendously well to really, really sporadic shooting from KCP and Rondo turning it over. And I don't think we've seen a consistent version of this Lakers team with the role players playing well since um, February and, you know, pre-hiatus. Yeah. I think, well... You say that they think that you think they'll win the NBA Finals. Obviously, we can probably unwrap this a little more down the road um, with tonight's show. But first off, obviously, we only have three people here: Drake, Travis, Ethan. Thank you for joining in. Um, welcome to Late Night Hoops Talk with uh, with myself, Todd, and Logan. Um, we're we're going to be doing this hopefully every Tuesday night and occasionally on Thursday nights as well. Um, so. If you enjoy tonight's show, invite others to come and listen to it next time. Um, we got a couple more people kind of coming in as, as we're starting here. Um, but, yeah, well, we'll get to Lakers and Rockets at the end here. But, but first off, let's start, Logan, with your favorite team, the Bucks. My favorite team. How are you team. feeling? Sometimes my least favorite team. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, it's a rough day for Milwaukee Bucks fans. Um, I mean, I saw the writing on the wall, but I guess w- the purport from Chris Haynes, actual multiple reports from around five to ten minutes ago made it a little less bitter. Um, Giannis made it very, very clear that he was not planning on making any dramatic moves in the offseason he said specifically i'm not leaving and i'm dedicated to winning a championship with this team next year so i don't expect that to change um and that Giannis's, you know the, the Giannis narrative at least coming from him and his camp all along has been i want to win a championship with milwaukee and it's only outside mo- mostly mainstream media narratives that have you know, try to alter that into there's so many other teams that have a better shot, you know, with Giannis. And whether that is true or not, it doesn't change the fact that I think Giannis's loyalty is one of his, you know, most impressive character traits. And it maybe even to a fault sometimes, as we saw with Jason Kidd, 
Um, but I was really, really happy that he made it extremely clear um, in, in these reports they're coming out that he's not leaving at least for the next season. That's uh, definitely reassuring for Bucks fans to know that Giannis is coming back, that he wants to make that commitment to the team next season. Um, obviously, yes, there has been no indication from Giannis's camp that he would leave. Um, although there is a lot of speculation just because I feel like due to the nature of today's league that, um, I, that, you know, it's, it's such fluid player movement. Um, guys will go from team to team in search of finding a perfect pair to kind of make a championship run. Um, Giannis obviously, again, made no indication of him taking that type of approach uh, for this next season before free agency. Uh, it was just speculation from the outside, and rightfully so, just due to the nature of the league. But um, it's great to have that reassurance come from him. And, you know, I'm surprised by this game today with the Heat and the Bucks, mostly because it was closer than I would have expected. Obviously last game they won without Giannis half the time. Um, but it was a valiant effort by, by the Bucks, only losing by nine. Um, however, they shot the ball really inefficiently. Um, and the fact that they only lost by nine is honestly a shocker to me with how poorly they shot the ball today. However, you know, Chris Middleton put out a solid performance, 23 points, seven rebounds, six assists, Brooke Lopez with 15 and 14. Uh, DiVincenzo with 17 on, on pretty good shooting as well. Got to the line five times. Um, some some possible positives to take away from this game uh, coming from that box score right there and kind of looking towards the future for next season. Um, but I mean, also, I, I, I expect... Givincenzo to really take a step up next season and you know for for the vast majority of the year um Divincenzo could have very well been in the you know dark horse conversation for, for sixth man of the year I mean he was that good defensively statistically I think he was a top three defender in in the league um and you know, he's only getting better offensively understanding rhythm playing off Giannis but defensively he's already there and I think he has, you know, if it's such a thing that championship DNA, um, he steps up in big moments as we saw today. And, you know, if, if the Bucks end up making a move, getting rid of Bledsoe and not even not returning a Chris Paul, instead opting to go for Bradley, try to make a move for Bradley Beal or Buddy Heald, like I alluded to, I would definitely be comfortable starting DiVincenzo at the point guard spot next season. And, I, you know, I don't think that's too far of a stretch. And I think that you can, honestly, if you get a player of that type of stature, Bradley Beal, or, you know, lesser so in Buddy Heald, which are honestly very reasonable trade targets, um, I think that putting DiVincenzo at the point wouldn't be too far for uh, of a stretch for, for the Bucks. And I think that um, if they make a type of move to go get another piece, whether it be Bradley Beal, whether it be Buddy Heald, whether it be um, Chris Paul, for example, 
Um, they, they have a solid, obviously they have a solid roster. I, you just need that extra guy to get you over the hump to mm-hmm. really um, set you apart from the field uh, as far as this Eastern Conference goes. Because this top four, I can't imagine getting any worse. Um, no. Except no. maybe the Raptors. Um, and But they're just a, such a well-coached team that no matter who they have, they'll probably end up in the top four anyways. Uh, however, you know, with the Miami Heat, they had six guys in double-figure scoring. Um, Adebayo with 13. You have Jimmy Butler with 17. Jay Crowder, 16. Dragic, 17. Olenek, 12. And Tyler Hero with 14. Um, great performance all around. This Heat team, tell me what you think, number one, about this roster and uh, if – for example, I think the Celtics are probably the Eastern Conference favorites to to face the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, give me what you your thoughts on a preview, perhaps, of that matchup in the Eastern Conference Finals. What do you think about that Heat team, and what do you think about that Celtics team? Yeah, I think on paper the Celtics are still the better team talent wise, but the way that the Heat are playing, and with the confidence of the that defense, and with the shooting confidence that Jay Crowder is playing with, I definitely think that the Heat could at least make it a six to seven game series and potentially even win such series. I think, you know, as as much as uh, Heat that Milwaukee is taking um, for not even really putting up a fight in this series, it's it's disrespectful to Miami to not, you know, give them a great deal of credit for just how damn good their defense have been, how damn good their shot selection has been. I mean, they, they, they played incredible. They brought it every single night. And Jimmy, you know, despite not having too good of a game today, was tremendous all all series. And with with that kind of attitude and just the infectious energy in that locker room right now and how Tyler here, I mean, not to do Tyler Hugh had it's been absolutely lights out too. And I just, I don't even know, <laughs> you know, late game scenarios. If I would rather have Tatum or Jimmy Butler as a closer right now, just sure. what, the Heat are, what, are, what the Heat are doing defensively right now um, in terms of closing out games. I mean, they, they held the Bucks scoreless during like a over six minute stretch in the third, at the end of the third quarter today. And we're, we're, you know, Milwaukee was missing some open shots. Sure. But, you know, what was the last time in the playoffs other than maybe the Rockets and was it last season where they missed 20, whatever season, they missed 27 threes in a row? <laughs> has, has a team gone, uh, gone over a six-minute stretch in a playoff game without, without getting a single point? I mean, it was, it was incredible. Um, I mean, this Miami defense is so stingy, especially considering the improved um, shot-making in the bubble. To, to go six minutes without scoring, it, I mean, shouts to that Miami D, man. It's, it's been awesome. And, you know, for for a 4-1 series win by Miami, you know, this, this series was a lot closer than, than the record itself of 4-1 um, really says or hints to. Uh, however, I agree with you completely. The Heat, they're, they're just so well balanced. They have so many shot makers on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you have... You have probably four guys that you could trust to make a late, uh, a last minute bucket for you in the clutch. I mean, 
obviously Tyler Hero has come in clutch. He did last game. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy, obviously, you can turn to him. Drogic can get to the free throw line late in, in late game situations and also hit um, a great shot or even facilitate for a great shot and create a shot. Um, and and to turn this over to kind of looking forward against the Celtics, they have that same type of potential and that mm-hmm. same type of roster where their top seven are just lights out. They're, they're such a great, well-oiled machine offensively, I've seen, especially. Their ball movement has been second to none, and they have three legitimate just killers on their team in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and um, Kemba Walker. And so one thing that I, you know, I feel like their offense may be a little more high-powered and they may have more star power in their offense, the Celtics, as a whole. However, you know, with how well-balanced the Heat are and how good defensively they are, I think it's going to make a great Eastern Conference Finals. And honestly, with with the best stars being on both teams, with, with Jason Tatum being the best star on the Celtics and Jimmy Butler um, on the Heat, it's going to be a great matchup. It's going to be a great series. I hope it goes to seven. Um I, I think this Heat team is just too well-rounded and have so many great shot makers who can step up on any given night that it's going to be really hard to to beat this Heat team because they're just, you can tell they're kind of unified with a single vision and a single mindset. And um, it's, it's going to make for a great series, but I think I'm kind of with you that this Heat team uh, might might be making the finals. It, it's, it sounds crazy, but like, and I, I alluded to this, I think, the other night when we were, we were talking, um, that this is the best version of the Heat team we've seen is inside the bubble. Like all season, you know, we have undrafted, ro- undrafted rookie and Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson just getting better. Hero just gaining confidence with every game. Jay Crowder making the move for Jay Crowder and Iggy at the deadline, like, the Heat team that we're seeing right now is by far the best version that we've seen. And so, like, would this team really be, you know, would have been a four seed um, if, 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 if the pandemic wouldn't have happened when it did? I don't think so. I think they could have been as high as a two seed. Um, They're definitely playing like it. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, so, I just, go ahead. The, the, the amount of, you know, offensive weapons that have just, kind of crept out from from the woodwork for the heat um, it it it's it's kind of jarring honestly because even even watching them earlier in the year you know Duncan was relying on way way heavier than he is now I mean he's he had what maybe one double digit performance even in this buck series and early in the year if you know if Duncan wasn't scoring double figures the heat were not maybe not even winning games I mean they, they were also relying, they were relying Kendrick Nunn really heavily for offense and now to have, you know, stoppers like Jay Crowder who can actually be shot makers in the clutch, like that's that is so invaluable. I, I can't you can't overstate how valuable valuable it is to be able to have a guy like Crowder. And I talked about this with Marcus Smart too. When when you're like one of your best defensive players or your defensive specialist per se all of a sudden becomes that knockdown three point shooter, or at least a sufficient three point shooter. Um, it's, it makes you a really, really dangerous team. 
And I'm in absolute agreement. Obviously, uh, Ethan, you said in the chat the Raptors could still make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, I understand that that's definitely a possibility. But with how lopsided the performances were last uh, last night, uh, I lean towards the Celtics making the Eastern Conference Finals. Obviously, it's a little bit premature. And I, I think regardless, the Heat honestly are, are the better team over either of those two teams. Um, I think the Celtics would be a better series against the Heat. Uh, however, obviously, yes, the Raptors can still make it. Um, and, and that'll be determined either tomorrow or, or in three days. Um, but with, with that being said, um, gr- great series by the Heat. Obviously, we're looking forward to them um, making, making a possible finals run. And I, it's, it's an exciting team to watch. Uh, they're a great, well-rounded team, and honestly, as a basketball coach myself, it it's reminiscent of you know a college team that really has no no stake in the game other than the fact that they just want to win, and they're coming together for that reason. And no single person is is sitting out there feeling sorry for themselves if they're not getting enough touches, or they're not pouting if they have a bad game. They just come out every single night ready to compete. And you can just tell that they are a well-oiled machine as a team and their team chemistry is just meshing. And it's a, it's a great thing to watch. Um, and, and normally, yep. and I was going to say, normally the downfall of such teams where the scoring is so balanced is they don't have a clear closer in crunch time. But Jimmy has emerged as that guy. And there are nights when, you know, Jimmy isn't the true closer. But, you know, when the game is on the line, I don't think we've ever seen a player that averages, you know, maybe like what, what does Jimmy average? Like 16 points a game, all of a sudden emerge in the playoffs as a guy who can drop a 40 piece. If you need him to like, that's just unprecedented. He shot 24% from three in the regular season and just makes absolute circuit shots in the playoffs. Like the, the, the just escalation, the, 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 the psychological tenacity that Jimmy Butler has in the playoffs is, is, unlike something we've seen from very, very few players, you know, I'm talking like Kobe Jordan, like that's the level that Jimmy Butler is on psychologically, not, not, not on a skill level, but just psychologically. You know, he definitely has that, that mindset. He's definitely in that same type of headspace as those two greats. And, and it's a great thing to watch. It's obviously, a, honestly, you know, I think basketball is a beautiful game. So it's a beautiful thing to watch a player taking ownership over their mindset and realizing like I have to be this way if I want to win I have to will you know myself and my team to win and it's infecting the rest of the roster you know Goran Dragic has had himself an amazing series and he's really been a, a consistent performer for the Heat as well and that's that's a piece that I was kind of worried about someone being that consistent score that consistent playmaker um and he's been that type of guy alongside Jimmy's clutchness and uh, tenacity. So it's obviously been a great matchup. And it, obviously, I think they they should be favored in the next series, although they are the four seed. Um, and I'm sorry to your Bucks having to hit the road early, but uh, hopefully Giannis gets better and, and you guys can obviously make a run next season um, for that title. Um, yeah, um, early, you know, early reports coming out. I'm going through my Twitter timeline right now a little bit, are suggesting that the Bucks are going to make a run around Chris Paul, and 
it's said despite the salary cap complications, it seems like they're dedicated to doing that, which I thought they would be. Um, but I, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket with Chris Paul, too, because I think there's a lot of optionality the Bucks have in terms of, you know, maybe throwing Van Vliet a bag or maybe they could trade for Buddy Heald or Drew Holiday. You know, there, there's more than just, hey, we need Chris Paul. Um, and, you know, if they do have going with the Chris Paul route, I'd love to see them sign Billy Donovan, too. <laughs> <laughs> That would uh that would definitely be an interesting turn of events. Um, do do you think just real quick before we transition to the Western Conference, do you think that Budenholzer's gone? I I'm, I'm not even pretend to know what direction the Bucks are going to go there. Um, I think Giannis has too much loyalty to the coaches to say fire Budenholzer, so I think ultimately that's going to be a front office decision. Um, but after this playoffs and after you know he just got coach circles around by Spo and um you know didn't understand that he had to play his stars major minutes until their ass was on the line two days ago <laughs> just very <laughs> just very basic basic instinctual coaching decisions that Bud seemingly um failed to understand I think it would be an easy sell to fans I mean there's already hashtag fire Bud going on everywhere on Twitter. <laughs> so like I, you know, th- th- there's a little bit of a call for his head going on. Now, it's nowhere near what the fire kid bandwagon was like. But I think if you're going to say we're going to trade for Chris Paul and we're going to sign Billy Donovan, I think Donovan picks coaching Chris Paul and Giannis over taking that Sixers job or, you know, some of the other attractive jobs up there just because who, who doesn't want to coach Giannis, man? <laughs> it's true. I, I want to coach him. Um <laughs> Uh, anyways, I think that, uh, coaching that, sorry, a coaching change should happen. Uh, however, it should only happen if you have a candidate you are confident with replacing. Yep. If, if you don't have one that you're confident replacing him with, then don't just fire him to fire him. Ensure that you have someone in, uh, in waiting basically, or that you, you know that you want to go after and that you know you can get um, before you make that move. Um, Anyways, moving on. Let's talk about the late game tonight. We talked a little bit at the beginning. I just want to go over the box score real quick. The Lakers have 112 to 102 victory over the Rockets. Uh, LeBron with 36 points, AD with 26. Both shot the ball tremendously uh, efficient. And LeBron had seven rebounds, five assists, four blocks, big blocks. Um, And AD had 15 rebounds. Rondo had 21 points and nine assists off the bench with Kuzma putting in a relatively efficient night, seven of 10 for shooting with 14 points. Um, And then the Rockets, uh, you have Harden who went 11 for 23, so barely under 50% shooting. At 33 points, four for nine from the three-point line, perfect from the free throw line with seven attempts, and then Russell Westbrook really stepped stepped his game up today um, with 30 points and eight rebounds, six assists, um, 13 of 24 shooting, so well well over 50 percent, and two of four from the three-point line. Um, yeah, Westbrook Westbrook definitely stepped up big. Um, I still think his decision-making offensively can improve. You know, that's been a criticism of his his whole career. But what really jumped out to me this game 
was what LeBron has been so good at, um, you know, in the late prime of his career, which I don't even know if you could call late prime because LeBron's prime has been his whole career. But, you know, <laughs> um, is his ability, just this, this innate ability to understand when his team is not generating offense and for him to just take over quarters um, or halves. And he, he did in the first half today just recognizing, hey, you know, KCP is not hitting shots yet. AD is not really getting it done. I need, I need to get, I need to generate offense for my team here. And he, he, he doesn't do it like he used to, or you know, he'll take over. He, the LeBron fifty bomb days. I'm not going to say they're over. He, he might have a few more left in the tank in his career, but like, in terms of consistent, you know, forty or fifty point outbursts from LeBron, those days are over. But when he really needs to for a quarter or for you know 20 minutes he can he can take over a game um just like we saw in Miami and it's it's incredible to see it when he does it and every every year I'm like oh I don't know if he can you know, he might have lost a half step or is he really still hitting that that three like you know all, all these all these question marks rise in your head and he just continues to do it no absolutely obviously i i we have yet to see a letdown in lebron's performance um, he is always performing at his peak. However, every single night, it's just in a different way. He's, mm-hmm. he's obviously a transcendent talent generational, possibly the go. I don't want to have that discussion. It's over saturated the media waves forever. Um, but he, he keeps on finding, not that he finds ways, it's just that every single night he knows exactly what his team needs. And, always delivers. You can always count on LeBron delivering each and every game, um, especially late in his career. He, he realizes he can really compartmentalize the parts of his game and understand when he needs to use them yep. to ensure victory for his team. Um, obviously, it, it, it's, it was an interesting game because um, – the Lakers had less field goal attempts than uh, than the Rockets. Um, however, they just shot the ball. They, they got to the rim a lot more efficiently than the Rockets did. And while the Rockets did hit two more threes than the Lakers um, and shot 40% from the three-point line, um, the, the Lakers were able to get to the free throw line nine more times. Um and were able to convert their their two point field goals at a much higher uh, clip than than the Rockets did. Uh, namely, they they got a f- the thing I th- that I think is most important for the Lakers to be at peak performance is they need one or two role guys to really step up. And, and tonight it was Kuzma and Rondo, and for this Lakers team really to be looking forward to possibly facing the Clippers and the Western conference finals. Let's say that that's the most probable course of action here. Uh, I think the Lakers really need their role players to step it up like they did tonight in order to beat a Clippers team that historically has very talented role players mm-hmm. that can, that do step up every single night. And I think those benches, those sixth, seventh and eighth men off the bench will be absolutely essential for the Lakers to be able to compete with the Clippers. Um, not that I'm saying the Clippers are should be favored over the Lakers. I just mean that uh, since LeBron's not going for a 50-piece anymore and 
presumably, and Anthony Davis, you know, can score in bunches. You need that contribution from your bench to be able to compete at the next level. Um, and, and this was another close game. It was a 10-point game, but it wasn't as far apart as that. Uh, when I tuned in, there were only six points down in the fourth quarter. It was a close game uh, for the whole time. And um, I think the Rockets are, are doing a great job. Uh, they're shooting the ball from three tremendously well. Jeff Green is giving them 16 points, but that's also something that the Rockets lack is is bench or role player contribution. Eric Gordon went two for nine from the, the field. Um, P.J. Tucker went one for three. Um, those those types of performances Jeff Green from... Jeff continues to dominate. Yes, he continues to kill from the bench. I, he's been crucial for this team in the bubble. He really has. Um, they, they I, don't wouldn't know, have I, don't, I don't know where the Rocks would be without Jeff Green. <laughs> and I never thought that I would say that in my life. That Where would any team be without Jeff Green, right? Um, but he's he's really killed it for, for the Rockets. And Eric, Eric Gordon and um, P.J. Tucker and Covington need to step it up, be on Jeff Green's level. Uh, Austin Rivers has also kind of just faded away in these playoffs. He was a great contribu- uh, contributor during the regular season, but he's kind of just uh, lost his way in the bubble, and I'm not sure why. And, and he used to be a very pivotal piece uh, scoring-wise for them off the bench, and he just hasn't been that way uh, since since being in the bubble. Um, so they really need their role players to step it up a level if they want to try to even up this series next game. Yeah, I like to, I like to call it Maury's algorithm. Um, and what we've seen <laughs> over the years with the Rockets is that you have, you know, four to five of the Jeff Green, Ben McLemore, you know, Austin River, PJ, T- what, what, you know, you name the player. Not to say these players all have similar styles, but when they are inserted into this algorithm, they end up all having nights where they go one for three. And then they all end up having nights where they have a 24-point outburst from the corner three. And sure. that, that is ultimately has led to their downfall, but it's also allowed them to succeed. Is On any given night, any one of these three and D wings can capitalize. And it also makes it really hard to scheme against because you don't have that guy. But you can say, oh, you know, Jeff Green's been calling it lately. We need to, you know, make sure to combat that by, you know, throwing a whoever at him. On the perimeter, well, now all of a sudden, uh, you know, Ben McElmore drops 18 on us. He, 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 he starts scorching it from three. And I think the way that Maury has assembled this roster has given them, especially this year, they have not elite three-point shooters, but they're, they're, they have about six of those wings that can all get decently hot from three on any given night. Um, the question is, how consistent can Westbrook be and how much, how well can their defense play in these, in these next couple matchups against the Lakers? Those, those are the two big questions. Absolutely. And I, I completely agree with you that any one of them can, can get hot at any moment. However, it takes two of them to contribute significantly in order for them to win. And tonight it was only Jeff Green and no one else was able to contribute really in a substantial um in a substantial way. 
And so if they want to win, they need two guys to be able to shoot it lights out on any given night out of those six, three and D wings. Um, and, and obviously with Westbrook stepping it up right now that you, you have to capitalize on those nights, especially, um, because if you, if you don't, then you might run into the fact that, you know, next game, Russell Westbrook might shoot it super inefficiently and you're not going to get that same type of contribution. And then you need three or four guys stepping up. So I, I really think the Rockets lost out on a chance to really, um, assert themselves in this series for this game specifically um, due to the fact that you got such a great performance out of Westbrook tonight that I'm not sure is replicable going forward. Uh, I hope it is for the series sake, Um, but it's, uh, it's yet to be seen that he can be that consistent on this, on this roster in this system uh, in the bubble specifically because I mean, he did really well in the season but it's um it's yet to be seen consistently here in the bubble yeah no granted Ty, we also got a performance out of rondo tonight that we haven't seen all season really um and so that's true that's true the, i guess the question for me on the lakers side of things is who can step up on their bench because Frankly, the Rockets have been getting much more consistency out of their bench this season, comparatively, or at least in the bubble, than the Lakers have. Um, you know, Kuzma stepped up big defensively, but you can't always you can't always put faith in him, especially yes. shooting the ball. Um, Markeith is just an absolute wild card. Caruso's pretty steady. Um, he doesn't have a lot of microwave games or anything like that. No, but defensively, he's always there. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Jr's not going to do anything for you. Deion Waiters <laughs> really yeah, hasn't done shit. Um, and so, like, my question for the Lakers is, you know, if you're dealing with a JaVale injury possibly, um, you don't know what, what Dwight's going to look like, what, what you could potentially have, you know, a guy in Caruso, and then maybe you can trust Kuzma every night, but I'm still not, like, sold on Rondo despite tonight's performance. You know, I said, like, Playoff Rondo, we, we, we said it unironically, but um, I think it's an anomaly. I, sure. I, what we saw out of Rondo all year was a guy that was heavily turnover prone, didn't yes. make good decisions down the stretch, and for all that to just change, maybe, I don't know, man. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird freaking year. Anything can happen, but I just have a hard time believing that this this Lakers bench can stay consistent through an entire series. And even if they get past the Rockets, it's going to be an even tougher matchup against the, the best bench in the NBA and the Clippers bench. Absolutely. That's that's my main concern. If I'm, if I'm a Lakers fan, which I definitely am not, but if I was the coach, if I was Frank Vogel and honestly the Lakers front office, I got to be thinking to myself, can I rely on, Contavious Caldwell Pulp. Can I rely on Danny Green? Can I rely on Kyle Kuzma, Rajon Rondo, Alex Caruso? Can I rely on them to put in solid performances night in, night out, a consistent contributor from a role player? And you just cannot on this roster. However, the Clippers have Lou Williams. They have Montrez Harrell off the bench who give them, obviously, night in, night out, consistent, significant contributions from their bench and it's it's a sight yet to be seen with the Lakers bench and the Lakers role players 
um, because you know what you're getting from AD and LeBron every single night. You know you're getting a combined 62 points like they had tonight. You know that that's going to happen. Todd, However, even, even a guy like even a guy like Landry Shaman or Reggie Jackson on the Lakers yeah. bench would be tremendous. Like the Clippers genuinely have six players on their bench that the Lakers would just be paying, you know, $15 million just to have the playoffs. Like that's, that's, that's what this Clippers team is realistically. Now for me, it's just a question of is the, you know, duo of Kawhi and PG actually enough against LeBron and AD, especially a very motivated LeBron and AD that's yet to be seen. But if we're looking at these lineups next to each other as cohesive units, it's not even close in my eyes. Exactly. No, we're definitely in agreement there that if you look at them one through eight, one through 10, the Clippers as a unit are just more well-rounded than the Lakers. The Lakers are obviously very top heavy and to win in the game of basketball, to win in the playoffs, you need more than two guys just to step up. You need that third guy to step up that fourth guy. And when you look at the Clippers um, roster, their their top guy in Kawhi and, and down, you just know that you're going to get four or five solid contributions any given night. Whereas with the Lakers, you know for sure you're only getting two, and and maybe you'll get one good role player uh, contribution, one decent one. Um, obviously, it was a tremendous performance by Rondo tonight. Is it replicable? Replicable? I don't know. Um, I hope it is for their sake. Um, but just looking at the two lineups and rosters, it's just uh, leaps and bounds ahead for the Clippers uh, as far as their depth and, and their contributions from their depth. Um, which, which for me is, is why obviously I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I think that the Nuggets will win another game. I think that it might be a 4-1 game over, five-game series for Clippers and, and Nuggets. They might be able to sneak one out if uh, Jamal Murray drops 50. Um, but I, I think that the Clippers obviously uh, are the ones that will take that series. And, you know, I, the, this Lakers-Rockets series is honestly more of a question mark for me than that series, but I still lean towards the Lakers as well which would set us up for a Los Angeles uh, battle, battle of LA for the Western conference finals. Yeah. See, I'm not even, I'm not even on that boat yet of, I think the Clippers are going to win the rest of, of the games in the series. I'm not even like that confident that the sure. Nuggets can't come back in this series. I mean, it, all it takes is another Jamal Murray game to even the series. All it takes is, you know, despite Paul Millsap being pretty treacherous in this in this playoff so far, <laughs> Paul Millsap. I still think everyone's saying he's washed. I still think Millsap has a little left in the tank. Call me, call it um blind ignorant. I you know I I still think Millsap has something left in the tank. MPJ played awesome last game. Defensively, obviously uh, a hazard, but um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that if, if, if PG, you know, didn't have a game like that last game, and he ever since he came out and said he deleted his Instagram and alluded to some mental health issues, I think um, he's been great. But you know, 
I don't know if PG can continue this. Maybe he can, but I'm I'm still on the boat of the Nuggets can at least pick up one more game in this series if we have an inconsistent performance from Paul George. Sure. Um, I, I can agree with you there. Obviously, Paul George needs to be solid and, and performing efficiently for the Clippers to be their best. Um, and I don't think that it's much of a stretch to, to believe that he will do that. Um, just in, in my eyes, I, I don't really see anyone but the Clippers coming out of that series, um, regardless if Jamal Murray goes off for another performance. Like I said, I think this series is over in, at the most, six games. Um, and I think that, I mean, I can't predict specifically, but I think the, the Clippers will take the next one and and then maybe close it out. If they don't, the Nuggets can steal another, but then they'll close it out. Um, but either way, I, I love how competitive these matchups have been, uh, other than necess- maybe the Miami-Milwaukee series. Not that that hasn't been competitive. It's just, you know, already over in five games. Yeah. Um, these playoffs have been kind of special uh, within the bubble, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow's games with with the Nuggets and the Clippers and um, and the Celtics Raptors. Um, any predictions for tomorrow's games, Logan? Who, who do you have tomorrow? I don't think Toronto's. I don't think Toronto's bouncing back. I think Boston took away their spirit. I think they, they ripped out their soul. I think the Raptors have made it still clear despite picking up those two wins that they don't have a clear closer and off their offensive generation is still a problem um i have boston in that game and i still have the clippers winning the next game i think i think Kawhi is gonna have himself a game ultimately in 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 that in that clippers nugget series it comes down to hey Kawhi's still arguably a top two player on the planet. Now we can order these guys how we want. But um, last year in the playoffs, Kawhi was the best player on earth. It was it was indisputable, right? And so oh, the the cliche as it goes is the best player on the on, on the, the of the series win ends up winning the series. And I think that rule of thumb is going to apply here. Not to mention PG in the last four games, like I said, it has taken that step up. Um, so yeah, I, I got I got Boston and Clippers tomorrow. Some maybe some lazy takes, but um, at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know that, that's what the guts saying, and those those are the better teams. So I I agree with you completely, and it may be the boring take, but I think it's the right one. Uh, I think we'll both end up uh, end up the night with uh, two wins there, with two good predictions. Um, and I look forward to those games. I think they'll be close. I don't think by any means that they will, they'll be blowouts, but they'll definitely be close games. And uh, I just think that the Celtics did rip out the hearts of the Raptors, and they will just finish the, the series tomorrow. And the Clippers, as long as Paul George continues to steadily perform and efficiently perform, then I think obviously with their depth, they're they're easily the favorites, and I think they'll win tomorrow as well. Um, that being said, I we're about to wrap up. However, don't leave. 
because we, <laughs> we want to do Q and A's real quick. We'll, we'll take five minutes here and, and do a Q and A. If you guys have any questions any, about anything, you, it could be draft talk. It could be playoffs. It could be, um, should the Bucks uh, wave Eric Bledsoe after this performance in this series? Uh, whatever you guys oh, want. Come on, Pop. come on, Todd. He, he was he was, <laughs> he was a menace defensively tonight. His you know his lack of ability to make a three pointer. We can we can talk about that, or we can focus on the fact that he probably had about six steals, and he was the only player on the Bucks with a positive uh, plus minus during that game. Now there um, you, go. you can say what you want about Bucks uh, about box score, but. Bledsoe, you know, he had, a, he had a great game defensively. 33% from the field for this series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 21% from three. I don't, don't want to talk about the Bucks anymore, Todd. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, it's too bad because Mitchell asked, trade Giannis? Oh, my God. <laughs> Mitchell, 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 Mitchell. No, Giannis is the best thing to happen to Milwaukee in a very long time. And I think it would be criminal. Um, unless he demands a trade to even entertain the idea of getting rid of him, you, you gotta have, you gotta go all in next year. Go for that championship. I, I said it myself. I'm like, I'm gonna start a GoFundMe to uh, to cover the to the luxury tax for owners. Well, I will I will personally donate a hundred dollars <laughs> to sign Chris Paul or whoever it may be that's gonna push us over the edge. That's how passionate I am about keeping Giannis in Milwaukee. Of course. Um... Ethan asked, would you rather have Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson? Uh, for me, easily Tyler Hero, um, just because I think that he hasn't even scratched the surface of what he could be in this league, whereas Duncan Robinson, I think, is who he will be for the rest of his career. I don't think he has the ceiling that Tyler Hero has. Um, so, so yes, I'd rather have Tyler Hero. And yes, the Warriors will be trading the number two pick and some other asset for Tyler Hero. Um, here's a here's a, here's a I, fun little. I hope so. <laughs> I actually played against Hero way back in the day. Um, you know, he's a Wisconsin boy. I uh, grew up about an hour. I grew up in Madison, about an hour and a half from Milwaukee. So, way back in like eighth grade, we ended up playing him and dropped like I think it was forty three on us uh, <laughs> as eighth graders and. He had the same amount of just bl- not even blind, like warranted confidence back then as he does now. Just absolutely, un- absolutely uncompromising. You know, we're, we're down by 30 and he's still pulling up from like four feet behind the arc in, in, in an eighth grade, like <laughs> AAU tournament. Um, but yeah, I- <laughs> that's, that's what makes him great, man. That's what makes him. That's the reason that I believe that he will have. Uh, an amazing career in the NBA. Uh, I really think that he, he, sh- I mean, obviously it's his rookie season, but I think he should be mentioned up there with John Morant and Zion Williamson as part of that draft class's great Absolutely. future players in the NBA. Absolutely. Um, but yes, Tyler Hero over, over Duncan Robinson, although I do value how well Duncan Robinson operates off the ball and how well he can create his shot just by moving around, running around, coming off screens. He knows his angles. He knows how to set himself up for his shots. And it's obviously a trait that I admire because uh, as a Warriors fan, that's what Steph and Clay do absolutely amazingly. And so I, I think that he he is just as good um, off the ball 
uh, obviously early in his career as, as Steph and Clay were early in their careers. Um, so I, th- I think that's a great skill set to have, and he will have a long NBA career as a role player, as a knockdown shooter. Um, so uh, better Giannis fit Dallas or Toronto? Hypothetically, Logan, oh, I think man. it's Dallas, but it obviously won't happen, right? I just think that it's Dallas. If we're just talking hypotheticals, I think Dallas would be a perfect fit. Yeah, no, it, it, Dallas would be a great fit. Uh, Obviously, I, alongside Luca, I'd love to see. I'd love to see Giannis and Luca play together. If 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 it came down to that, I would love to see Giannis else, like in you know in a Mavs uniform, in a Heat uniform. Um, no, no, no. You'd prefer to see Luca in a Bucks uniform. No, yeah, yeah. That, that's you know that's not going to happen. <laughs> At the end of the day, we know we know it's not going to happen. But like, I love watching Giannis, and you know, it, if he ends up deciding to leave. It would be awesome to see him go to a place where he can win a championship. You know, he's 25. Um, LeBron didn't win his first ring till he was 27. Jordan Wing win his first ring till he's 27. So he has a chance next year to, you know, eclipse both of, both of them in that department, have two MVPs and a defensive player of the year under his belt. Um, you know, he could even 3 P next year if he comes out with absolute vengeance. So would I love to see him do that in Milwaukee next year? Yes. Um, but it's going to take a lot of off-season moves um, and, you know, some serious – I don't even want to say serious revamp. It's just going to take a lot for him to do that <laughs> considering how how competitive the East is going to be next yeah. year. I, uh, I just saw a tweet, Logan, before we transition to Ethan's next question. Um, but the, the tweet was, unfortunately for Milwaukee, they will have to convince Giannis to stay there well in the middle of winter rather than summer. That's tough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Moving on to your next question, Ethan, and we'll make this the last question of the night. Um, I love talking about this, but if you're starting a team from scratch, would you rather build around Luca or Jason Tatum? (sighs) Luca. Explain Um, your reasoning, and then I'll also give my answer. Yeah, so I just think... You know, Tatum in terms of a score and even even a defender, but just his, his isolation scoring, his ability to close, um, his just absolute arsenal of, of, of weapons off the dribble, off the ball. It's, it's, it's amazing to see. But what Luka is giving you in terms of total points generated offensively at his age is something that we've never seen before. It, we've never even seen, you know, what, what, even at LeBron, what, what he was doing at Luca's age, generating offense was not on Luca's level, right? Absolutely. So for, I, go ahead. I was just saying for, for that reason, um, I think Luca's ceiling is still like it's it's un, it's 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 unimaginable. There is no way to fathom what Luca's ceiling actually is, considering the step he made up this year. And everyone was saying after last year, you know. He's not that athletic, and you know he's only shooting thirty <laughs> percent from three, and all. And it's like, well, actually, wait, Luca, Luca got like he's 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 a legitimate MVP candidate. Now. So, what is Luca going to be in two years? I don't even know. He might be the best player in the league. Like, he might be there next year. You never know. Exactly. Um, I I agree with you, and the only reason I agree with you is because of the wording of the question. If I'm starting a team from scratch. 
which player would I rather have? I would rather have Luca because you can build a team around him. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a primary playmaker. You have uh, a guy that's obviously amazing at creating his own shot and creating for others. Um, and like you said, generates so much offense for his team. You can build around that every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why Luca's the more valuable piece to start a team from scratch with, right? Um, but as far as on any given team, which player would I rather have? I think Jason Tatum can fit on every single team that he would be on. Um, he is the more versatile basketball player due to his defensive ability, due to his scoring ability, his clutch ability, um, and, and his isolation. Um, he's honestly a seamless fit alongside any star, um, alongside any other player. Um, but to have him as your primary, primary playmaker, that's just not a thing that he has needed to do, number one, with Kyrie and with Kemba Walker um, on his team. But number two, as a small forward, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily within his skill set to be a primary playmaker. Um, but wow. his his ability to create his own shot is is on a level that very few could say that that they're able to do. I mean, Luca, as far as his own shot creation, I, I'd still take Tatum because mm-hmm. I feel like he's he's able to make um, tougher shots and in that Kobe esque type of way. Uh, however, Luca in shot creation as a whole both for himself and for others, I think that I would take Luca, And that's why I would start a, a team from scratch with Luca over Tatum. However, as a, as an overall player on any given team, I would much rather have, uh, not much rather, but I'd rather have Jason Tatum just because of the versatility that he allows. Uh, whereas yeah. if, if you have, for example, Luca with another ball-dominant type player, uh, that doesn't necessarily mesh, right? Jason Tatum doesn't have to be ball dominant like Luca does, and that's why I think he's more versatile in that sense. Yeah, I think I think this Luca Tatum conversation is one that we're going to see play out pretty heavily in the next couple of years as they continue to grow their teams, continue to compete, possibly for championships. Um, the one thing that I will say is we're yet to see if Luca's you know defense is poor to the point that it impacts the Mavs chance of being a true title contender where we already know with Tatum, this is a guy who can string together some serious defensive stops. Um, You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider Tatum an elite defender by any means, but he certainly took a step forward this year in being able to switch on to, you know, two through four um, and defend at a high level. So I think in, in that department, you know, Tatum, could have the edge in the future saying, yeah. you know, Luca, Luca, and I don't actually think that Luca is poor enough defensively to like, to the point where like, we actually, you know, can't build a defensive unit around him. That's going to not allow, you know, 110 points game or whatever. Sure. Because I think Luca can emulate a lot of what Harden has done over the years in terms of continuing to use his mass and put on more muscle for interior defensive purposes. You know, Luca's never going to be a, you know, all-star for perimeter defender by any means, but yes. he can certainly, I think 
he can look at Harden and really emulate what he has done defensively to contribute on that end. Absolutely. I mean, Harden's really good at at um, creating, uh, you know, just making steals and, and mm-hmm. creating turnovers. Uh, while he may not be a stopper, uh, he can definitely contribute in that sense. And I think Luca, honestly, uh, this may be just a boring take as well, but uh, he's very similar to Harden in play style. Um, that he can obviously emulate his game after him a little bit, but I think that in order for him to be the best player ever, which, you know, this is obviously very early to say, because he has to win titles to, to be in that conversation. And that obviously depends on a lot more than just his play. Um, However, for him to be the best player that he can be, I think he needs to look beyond Harden and add different aspects to his game and kind of steal from, from a lot of different guys. And I think he has the ability being so young to be able to add to his game every single year to where when he's in his peak, he can really just be in his peak and dominate in a bunch of different facets of basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, With with that being said, uh, are there any more questions? I don't think there are. We lost about half the audience. So um, this is it for our first for our first show, our, our episode number one, uh, I think we're going to be trying to post this in podcast form as well. So if you guys enjoyed listening tonight, I would encourage you when we do release this in podcast form, I don't know when it'll be. Um, hope I'll try to figure out something by tomorrow. Uh, if not, we'll, we'll figure out another medium. Uh, if you guys would share it, um, follow both Logan and I on Twitter I don't really post NBA takes on my Twitter account, so f- follow Logan. <laughs> um, but f- follow us on Twitter, and we'll be releasing these. Uh, maybe we'll start a Twitter account for this show on Locker Room, and uh, and then also post it as a pod- in a podcast form uh, after the fact. Um, something that we're trying to incorporate as well with this show is m- more interaction with you guys, kind of bringing the audience up to speak as well. Like maybe we have a topic that we want to talk about. And instead of us answering that topic or question, we have two of the listeners uh, duke it out who might have different uh, viewpoints. And then in the discussion, we can have maybe like a poll or um, have everyone vote for who won that uh, discussion and then give them like a 30 second spiel at the end of the show to say whatever they want about any, uh, anything they want to talk about. Kind of like, around the horn, but in a different type of format. Um, we got some great ideas, so keep tuning in each week. Um, we might be joining on Thursdays. Uh, I don't know. If the, I don't, it won't happen this week, but it, it's something that we've discussed. So uh, thanks, guys, for listening. Howard, Keaton, Mitchell, Travis, Ethan, and everyone else who listened before this as well. We had, I think, at our peak, I think we had 12 people in here listening. And that's, that's quite a few for what I've seen um from the locker room app so um yeah uh, thanks guys i'm i'm going to end the room and and we'll see you next week maybe some watch parties as well during the week thanks guys thanks logan yeah take care todd thanks guys have a great night